That song that, that the choir just sang, I, I heard it for the first time. I spoke at a church back home a couple months ago, and I, I said, James, I heard this song that I really, really like. And he said, uh, he said, well, what was it called? And I said, yet not I, but Christ in me. And he said, I bought the sheet music to that months ago. And I said, well, sing it next week. And he said, oh, it's not on the, it's not on the, it's not on the schedule. James is a man about a schedule. And I think he's got everything planned out probably for the next 18 months till he retires. He's, so he's got the next thing. He's got, he's got a schedule for the next 25 years, I guess. We need you here that long, James. But that song is amazing and I do love it. And what's the line? Uh, what is it? Until the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. It's a great song. And it's a great reminder that we need to run the race until the end. So, nine marks of a healthy church. We are on week three, and this leads us to the gospel. Remember from last week, we had, I give the, uh, the uh, what's it called? The illustration of the three buckets. We had bucket number one, which was absolute. Bucket number two were things that we cannot reject. And bucket number three were things that we could agree to disagree on and have healthy, uh, productive conversations about, but they didn't, the, the bucket number three items shouldn't be things that uh, divide us, that our, our opinions could be divided on them, but we should agree to carry on together as brothers and sisters in Christ on these bucket three items. But bucket number one is, the, is uh, absolute, and the gospel falls in bucket number one. It's an absolute doctrine. God's Word says that a person must repent and believe in the gospel to be saved. Mark chapter 1, verse 15 says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's one of our focuses today. If you want to take one sentence home, repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel is core to the church today and always has been. Where the gospel isn't core, there is not a healthy church. Christ crucified is the solid rock of our foundation and everything else is sinking sand. The gospel, the word gospel means good news and we hear it in this church all the time. We hear the word gospel all the time, but it's good to be reminded that the gospel means good news. Good news about what? Hopefully you don't have to ask yourself this question. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ being sent to earth as God and man to die for our sins. He was crucified, died, and was put into the tomb. On the third day He rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He then sent His Holy Spirit to dwell in the heart of all who believe in this good news. And this is the story of salvation. Without Jesus, we are all doomed for hell. But because of Him, we are not. God has given us the opportunity for eternal life through His Son, Jesus. Not only that, but He has chosen to fill us with His Holy Spirit while on this earth so that we may live abundantly for Him. And this is good news. Amen? Gospel means good news, and this is good news. Not only is the gospel the good news, it is the greatest news we could ever know. If we believe this good news of the gospel... The gospel should be the driving force in our lives. It shouldn't be a driving force in our life. It should be the driving force in our lives. And if the gospel is the driving force in your life or my life, it should drive how we choose our spouse. 
It should drive how we choose our jobs. It should drive how we act at our jobs. It should uh, drive how we raise our children. It should drive how we treat our parents. It should drive how we love our neighbor. And it should drive how we live sacrificially for others. It should drive every aspect of our life. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So if the gospel is the, the driving force in our life, which it should be, we should not be ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, and everyone includes your co-worker, your spouse, your children, your parents, your next-door neighbor, your neighbor in Burlington, your neighbor in Florence, your neighbor in Mozambique, your neighbor in Scotland or Egypt or Pakistan. This news of salvation is for all. The gospel is good news for everyone, and we should not be ashamed of it. Paul staked his life on not being ashamed of the gospel. His life, we read in the Word, his life was evidence of not being ashamed of the gospel. He lived for the gospel. He died for the gospel. The gospel was the driving force of his life. It wasn't a driving force. It was the driving force of his life. Now, I told you all, I'm going to begin trying to give you one-sentence summaries, and we had one, a good one already, repent and believe the gospel. But I have, I have some questions for you today. Rather than, that, rather than a statement, I have questions that could help uh, when you get home. You need to be asking yourself these questions right now, too. But this week, really think about these questions. Let me find these questions. Are you living out? Nope, back up. The question of the day is this. The questions, plural, of the day are these. I'll get this out eventually. Is the gospel the driving force of your life? Are you living out what you say you believe? Is there evidence in your life that you have been born again, that you have been radically transformed by the greatest news that ever was? And, that, and, I, and I re-summarized in a statement. If you want to take home a statement instead of a question, the gospel should be the driving force of our lives, and we should be living out what we say we believe. Okay? In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, Paul says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And we can say that we believe all we want, but if we don't believe it in our heart, we are not saved. If we say that we believe and we believe in our heart, salvation should be evident in our lives. People should be able to see the light of Christ in us if we say that we are saved and if we believe that we are saved and if we are saved. People should be able to see the light of Christ in us. It shouldn't be questionable. It should be evident. And as we think about church health, as we are going to be doing for the next several weeks, we should think about this. If we are people here at Bellevue Baptist Church that claim salvation in Jesus, People should see light in us, not only individually, but as a church. And I, and I, think, I think we do see that. I know we do see that. And I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of a church that, that is gospel-centered, gospel-focused, and, and carries on uh, with the gospel being the driving force in our lives individually and the church. So 
People should see the light of Christ in us all at all times, even through then this is a, this is a twist, even through our mistakes. So when we sin in front of other people, we should repent in front of other people. When we have success in our life, it is Jesus that gives us the energy to succeed. We should point people to Christ in all that we do, good or bad. When, so when we succeed in something, uh, we, we say, look, God's the one that's given me these opportunities. He's given me the energy to succeed in this thing. We should point people to Christ in our successes. But we should also point people to Christ in our failures. So when we, who in here has, has messed up something this week? Okay. Many of us have sinned somehow this week. Okay. Does that mean, oh, there's no hope for me. I'm trying to follow Jesus, but I sin. No, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So when we do sin, because we're going to, we need to use that sinful experience. We repent. We, we repent not only to our God, we repent in front of whoever saw us stumble, saw us fail, we repent and we point those people to Jesus. Hey, look, I, yeah, I messed up back there. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I can't take it back now, but I can repent. I can, I can turn. I've, I've asked God for forgiveness. He's forgiven me of my sin already. So, Lord, I'm sorry. James, I'm sorry. I just see you sitting up front. You're, you're my target for today. We repent in front of each other and we point each other to Christ, even in our sin and failure. The gospel should be the driving force in our lives, even when we stumble and fall. God's grace was and is sufficient to redeem us today and yesterday and tomorrow. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, or as the Tanzanian children say, Ephesians, they say it that way. This is one of their memory verses the week we were there. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says, God saved you by His grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. The gospel is a gift from God, perfectly wrapped in the flesh of Christ Jesus. And that might be a strange way to say that, but that's exactly what it is. God sent Jesus as a gift to us, God and man simultaneously. The gift and, and this gift of the gospel is open to all who genuinely believe. The opening of this gift of the gospel gives us life and the promise with the promise of eternal life. And part of salvation is knowing how sinful we are. Once we understand that we are sinful, we can begin to grasp how gracious God is that He loves us through our sin. So we all know that we're all sinful, but God loves us through it anyways. So once we understand that we are sinful and in need of a Savior, God has us exactly where He wants us. This is when the opening of the gift of the gospel makes the most sense. We come to a point of despair in our lives and we realize that we're not as good as we once thought. Does anybody sit around and think about how good and great they are sometimes? Well, that's sinful too. So we, there's really no good in us. So God has us right where He wants us when we realize that we are sinful and we need a Savior. And this is what happened in my life. I, was, I had a lot of good things going. I was young. I was married. I had a good job. I'm still young and married and have a good job. But at that time, I was younger than I am now and married. 
and uh, we had two kids and they were healthy and everything was good on the outside, but inside me was empty as empty could have been. And I just felt desperate. I felt lost. I felt like there must be more to this life. And somebody came along and shared the gospel with me. And for the first time ever, it made sense. Now, as I look back on my life, had I heard the gospel before? Most likely I have, but it was never fruitful until that point in time when I realized, hey, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in control of all this. I am not God. And if I'm not God, there must be a God. And then I started to take this stuff seriously. But it only came through the obedience of somebody coming to me and loving me the way that Christ loves us. I could see the light in this fella. And he shared, not, not just one time and then go home. He pursued me, this guy pursued me like Jesus pursues us. So I saw the light of Christ in him. And I thought, I don't know exactly what that fellow's got, but I, I want some of that. And uh, he just kept pouring into me and pouring into me. And, and I came to faith in Christ. And that is, that is good news. That is how it should be. That's how it goes. And that's what we need to be doing outside the walls of this church. So this, this is how it, generally, this is how it goes for most people's faith, saving faith. Uh, we, we, we realize that we're sinful and we're in need of a Savior, and somebody comes along and shares the gospel with us, and it makes sense suddenly at, in our despair. So as we are saved, God will give us desires that we didn't once have. And He, remember, the key sentence of the day is, the gospel should be the driving force of our life. And He will make the gospel the driving force in our lives if we are genuinely saved. I'm dried out today from all that uh, all that work we did yesterday down in that dusty basement. The gospel promises us eternal life with Jesus. We will get to meet Him face to face when we die and live with Him forever. And the gift of the gospel is waiting for all those who wish to open it once they hear the good news. The gift of the gospel was prepared for everyone, but the truth is this, and this is a hard truth. Some people have never heard the gospel and some people will hear the gospel and they won't accept it as true. But let's focus on the some people have never heard the gospel. You cannot open the gift of the gospel if you have never heard the gospel. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing. Romans chapter 10, verses 10 through 17. In these verses, I have, if you've been here very much at all, you have heard me preach these verses before and I'm going to keep doing it. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, Everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless we, they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So I know you all have heard me with the corny jokes about beautiful feet, but faith comes by hearing. So 
We must take the gospel to people that don't have it. We are to deliver the good news of the gospel to others. But we, here's, here's the good part. We are not responsible for the salvation of others. We just deliver the message and the Holy Spirit does the work. God's Holy Spirit is the one who saves. God saves. We do not save. But we play a part in this good news. We, If we have faith in Christ, we it should be evident in our lives and the driving force in our life should be to share our faith with other people. So, we are to deliver the good news of the gospel to others, but we are not responsible for them opening the gift that is the good news of the gospel. God is in control of that, and we can beg and plead all we want, but God is sovereign in this area. He is in charge of salvation. We are simply called um, to share the message. We are to present the gospel in an honest and authentic way, and the Holy Spirit will do the remainder of the work in the lives of the listener. Some people hear the gospel once and receive it in a life-changing way. Some people hear the good news of the gospel dozens of times, a dozen times, and on the twelfth time, it clicks. In their moment of despair, like me, maybe I heard the gospel twelve times, I don't remember. But one time I did hear it, and it made sense. Some people hear the good news of the gospel hundreds of times and never receive it. And some people will never hear, not even once, the good news of the gospel. Now this shouldn't be a newsflash to you. We live in the United States. I, I assume everybody here lives in the United States anyways. I live in the United States. The United States was established, I, I know this, on July 4th, 1776. Our country was founded on Christian principles, one nation under God. The gospel has been made, made known here for at least 248 years and likely well before that. There is still a huge need for the gospel here in the United States, but we have access to the gospel here. And we have had access to the gospel here for a long time. Now, does this mean that everyone that goes to church in America is saved? Absolutely not. Does this mean that every American has heard the gospel? No. It simply means that in this country, we have immediate access to the gospel. It doesn't matter what state you live in. There are Bible-believing churches everywhere you go. We live in the Bible Belt. So within a stone's throw of here, we have Bellevue, East Bend, Burlington Baptist Church, Florence Baptist Church, Seven Hills, all these churches right here. Uh, and as you move away from this Bible Belt area, maybe you go to New York. Well, Bible-believing churches probably spread out a little, little more there. If you go to Connecticut, even, even worse. If you go out to Utah, go out to Nevada, go out west, there's not churches around every corner. But where we live, there definitely are churches around every corner. We have access to the gospel in this country, okay? But there is not a majority Christian presence in this country, but we do have, the, we have access to the gospel. Now, there are countries and people groups in this world that do not have access to the gospel. So something that we hear, we're able to, we, we said it this morning, John said in his prayer, he said, I'm grateful that we live in a country where we can gather together and we can do Bible study and we can have, uh, this morning we had more of a conversation in there about some things um, from a biblical perspective, but we're, we're able to gather together, study the Bible, have Christian conversations, 
without persecution. We have saving faith because we've heard the gospel. We have access to the gospel. Faith comes by hearing. We have heard. We are saved because we believe. There are countries on this planet that don't have the gospel. Places like Afghanistan, Bangladesh, China, and, and there are, might be pockets of places in these, in, in these countries, but India, Turkey, Iran, Pakistan, Myanmar, Nigeria, Thailand, Taiwan, Saudi Arabia, Yemen. These, there are people in these countries that will live their whole life, their entire life. Their grandmother might have lived her entire life. All their family might live their entire lives and never hear the gospel one time, not even a chance of hearing the gospel. There's no churches in these places. There's no believers in these places. There's no light in these places. There are no, there's no access to the gospel in these places. And most of these places are restricted, which means you cannot easily get into them. And many of these countries have their own cultural religions, Islam, Buddhism, and Hinduism. They, but, the, but the point is this. They do not know Jesus in these dark places. And if we claim salvation in Jesus, if we claim that the gospel is the driving force in our lives, when we hear that there are countries on this earth that don't have the gospel, our hearts should be broken for the people in these places. They have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel and choose to follow Christ. And, and David Platt, you know, as you, as you think about this biblically, and I don't have this written down, we've got, some, we got, we got new, pe new people here. Uh, when I get away from this iPad, it can either be exciting or be really dangerous. I don't know. But David Platt gives this example. You know, so if faith comes by hearing, a person must know, they must hear the gospel to be able to believe the gospel. That's how a person's saved. They hear, they believe, they repent, they turn from their sin, they follow Jesus, run the race well until the end. Now, if, if people live in a place where they never hear the gospel, how can they be, how can they be saved? They can't. And that's a challenging thing to hear. And one of my favorite pastors, David Platt, he says, well, some, somebody, one of his church members said, well, what about a person that lives, they give this hypothetical, what about a person that lives on a deserted island? They're by themselves their whole life. They never do anything wrong. They're a good person. Would they be saved? And, and David Platt says, well, in that case, they live alone. They're a good person. Yeah, they'd be saved. The problem is there are no good people. What makes us good? We're sinful. Everybody, whether we know Jesus or not, we're sinful. So people live on the earth. They don't hear the gospel. They don't have an opportunity for salvation. That's the point of the Great Commission is that we are to go and make disciples. So our hearts should be broken for these people. But there are things that we can do. We can give to missions agencies that go to these unreached places. And, 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 mo and much of our, the money that we give to the cooperative program does that. And that is good. We can pray for missionaries to rise up and go to these unreached places. And we can seek, now this is the hard one, we can seek, we as people, as believers in Jesus, we can seek to go to these hard to reach places. These people do not have access to the good news of Christ that we get to hear every single week. We come here in this place, this safe place, and we get to laugh and we get to be friend, friend, friends uh, united in the gospel. And it's a great thing, isn't it? I have fun here. Even when I'm 
standing side by side with Steve Boeing, breathing in carcinogen uh, riddled, uh, what's that stuff? Ceiling tiles. I think I knocked a decade off my life breathing in that dust yesterday. But we get to come here together under the banner of the gospel. We're, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be here doing that if I didn't believe in Jesus. I would not have done that. I love this church. I love the people here. I want, the, I want this church to, to, to be well and flourish. So I suffer for the sake of the gospel by tearing out ceiling tiles. But there are people and places that don't have this saving faith because they don't have the gospel. So we have all heard the good news of the gospel. We hear it often. We've heard it today. Jesus walked this earth as God and man. He came as our Redeemer. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He died on the cross. He resurrected into heaven. He sent His Holy Spirit to dwell in all of those who believe. We have heard the gospel. There are people around us who have not heard the gospel. If we believe the gospel message, it should transform us. If we believe the gospel message, we should be sharing the gospel message. If we believe the gospel message, it should break our hearts to know that there are places that do not have access to the gospel. If we believe the gospel message, we should take it upon ourselves to do something about this. We can pray, we can give, and we can go. And I want to close out this morning by reading an excerpt from our Nine Marks book. And I hope that I hope that some people have bought that book and are kind of following along. But this, this is the last uh, paragraph in the, in the chapter about the gospel. And it's well written and I want to share it. Mark Dever says, Have we heard the gospel? Have we believed it with our lives? Or are we still playing at religion? Do we attend church occasionally when our curiosity is up or our guilt is aroused while regularly and with great satisfaction, satisfaction serving first of all ourselves? To really hear the gospel is to be shaken to our core. To really hear the gospel is to change. Have you heard the gospel? Not a soothing word about your goodness or about God's acceptance or about Jesus' inoffensive willingness to befriend all and sundry, or even some convicting word about getting rid of some sin in your life. But have you heard the Bible's great message about God and us? Does it sound like the best news that you've ever heard? Old sins forgiven, new life begun, a personal relationship with your God, your Creator, now and forever. What better news could you hear? And it is the best news. It, and, and when we accept it as the best news, it should be the driving force of our lives, not a driving force. It should encompass every single thing that we do, every conversation that we have, and we will fail in this, but it should encompass everything we do, where we go to work, who we surround ourselves with, who we choose to pursue in love of Christ. It should drive every single thing that we do. The gospel should be the driving force in our lives. Jesus came for us so that we could be forgiven and live with Him forever and live this life on earth the way that He wants. He wants us to share the gospel. There are places and people, there are people right here in this county, there's people, we could go outside and throw a rock and hit people's houses that don't believe the gospel. Likely, there are people in this church building right now that don't genuinely believe the gospel. 
We must love people the way that Christ loved us. We must share the gospel. We must pray that God would reveal Himself to people. He's the one that saves. We just deliver the mail. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful for Your Word. I'm grateful that it's clear. I'm grateful that I'm grateful that uh, you save the people in this room when you decided and how you decided to save them. And I pray that the gospel is the driving force in their life if they genuinely believe. I, I pray that it would affect every single thing that they did, the way that they speak to their children, the way that they speak to their spouse, the way that they carry on at work, the way that they love people. Uh, I pray that also they repent, that we repent. I'm included in this. When I sin, when I fail, when I fall short, I pray that quickly I am convicted and that I turn from that sin and then I come crawling back to you no matter how bad it is. Even if it's a minute from now, a year from now, I want to cling to you in all things that I do. And my prayer for all the saved people here and the unsaved people that may be here is that they would cling to you in this moment right now and also forever. This We're, we're to run the race well until the end. So if we are saved, we've got, it's, it takes a lot of endurance um, to see the gospel as the driving force of our lives until the end. But I just pray that if there's anybody here that doesn't have saving faith in you, that they would repent. They would understand that they are sinful and they are not God and God is God. You are God and you sent your son to this earth to die for us so that we would live as people who, who genuinely carry out what we say we believe and that we would uh, make disciples in Bellevue, Burlington, and every, every single place that we go, every single place that you send us, our whole mission, our whole life should be focused on you. And I just pray that, I pray that, I just pray for the Spirit to move right now in this moment. And, and you know, maybe there's sin in somebody's life they need to repent of. Maybe there's a conversation that needs to happen in this room. Maybe there's, maybe there's saving faith happening in somebody's heart right now. I just pray that that you are at work in this moment and that that we would all genuinely believe, we would repent and believe right now in this church. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.